The first reading is taken from Jeremiah, chapter 31, reading from verses 1 to 6. Jeremiah 31. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the clans of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the desert. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again and you will be rebuilt, O virgin Israel. Again you will take up your tambourines and go out to dance with the joyful. Again you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy their fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. Hear the word of the Lord. Good morning. This reading comes from Acts 10 from 34 to 43. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on, the, on a cross, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He was not seen by all the people, but by witnesses whom God had already chosen, by us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God anointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Hear the good news proclaimed according to the Gospel of St. John, chapter 20, I will read from verse 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple had ran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of the linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached 
the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed. They still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked the woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he said, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking she was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told him that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of Christ. I want to speak this morning into this passage, which is about the resurrection. But first, um, a story. My eldest daughter has just turned 18, but when she was two... We went on a Christian holiday camp. It was quite a big camp. There was about 2,000 people on this camp. Um, it was while we were living in England where I was ordained before we came back to South Africa. And we went on this camp, Brenda and myself and Ruth. I don't think Nikki had been born yet, um, but Ruth was about two. And we were in the main venue and a couple of thousand people worshipping. Uh, first thing in the morning, and each morning they, they had the children up front and the children were involved in the worship and there were action songs. And then the children were led out to their program um, and, and the adults had teaching in the main venue. Well, the worship ended and there was a sudden movement and Ruth had gone up and she was in the middle, um, right near the, the front with all these kids. Imagine out of 2,000, I think a couple of hundred of them were kids and um, of all ages. And Ruth was somewhere there in the middle. And, and as the worship ended and they all went off to their venues, there was this flurry of movement. And Brenda and I were sitting back there watching, looking for Ruth, and we lost her. And we couldn't see her. And we ran to the front and we looked around and we looked amongst the children. We uh, broadened our search and broadened our search. And this, this venue was on a holiday camp, which had lots of um, sort of chalets and, and places for tents. And we were all camped there. Um, but it was vast and we went outside and we couldn't see Ruth and we'd lost her and we were desperate and our hearts just sank and, and we were both panicking as we reflected on the story later how hopeless it felt and how afraid we were for the life of our child what happened to her, where did she go uh, and this was in England where there were stories of child abductions and you know, all sorts of things going on we were thinking the worst well, eventually, I was looking down one street, and one of the adults was walking down towards me with a child on his shoulders, and up on his shoulders, and uh, I noticed it was Ruth. I ran up to him, 
Where did she find her? Oh, she was wandering around and she went down this through the garden. And Ruth had just wandered. She did that a lot when she was young. She was very confident. She just wandered. She wouldn't look back to see where's mom and dad. She wandered. She was fine. This story from John's Gospel is a story for anyone who feels lost or hopeless. It's a story of hope for those who feel lost and hopeless. Maybe not lost geographically, but perhaps lost spiritually or emotionally or in your circumstances. The story that Jesus is alive and appears first to Mary Magdalene is one where he finds those who are lost and without hope and he restores both the hope and the joy. Something incredible happens for Mary as she discovers Jesus when she realizes that he's actually alive. So just before we get into this passage from John chapter 20, um, let's pray. Father God, it's a wonder to stand before you this morning and celebrate the resurrection of your son Jesus, who you sent into the world to restore life and hope to restore your people, to call your sons and your daughters to yourself. And we celebrate that this morning. And as we look at your word, we pray that you would open our eyes and open our ears in this place this morning to receive what you have for us. Would you encounter each one of us with your word and speak to our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. I hope you were all paying attention as Rodney read because there were six characters in the passage. In fact, the seventh one is referred to, but um, I know we don't normally do this at the early services, very early, so I'm really treading on delicate ground here. Can any of you name any of the seven characters that came up in the reading that Rodney brought to us from John 20? Just shout out one of the names. Mary Magdalene. Simon Peter. Two angels. Alison was paying attention. Anyone else? So we've got Mary, Simon, Peter, um, two angels. We've still got two more. It was John and it was Jesus. It was, uh, well, the, the disciple who Jesus loved. We think that was John because that's how he wrote about himself in John's gospel. Um, the seventh who does Jesus refer to at the end of that passage? I have to go to be with my father. Tell the disciples. So it's seven characters. Very good. But I want to focus in on one particularly this morning, Mary Magdalene. Um, and on Jesus and her encounter with Jesus. You see, Jesus found Mary when she was lost. And he gave her a new direction. He told her to find others. He gave her a new mission. If you're feeling lost or hopeless today in any way, I want you to know that Jesus is here and he finds you. He has found you. He is finding you. And he will call your name. He wants to give you new purpose. And he wants to help you also to help the people in your life who are lost was to give you a mission like he gave to Mary. Go and find the others and tell them. 
So what do we know about Mary Magdalene? Well, I can tell you what we don't know. Um, Many say she was a prostitute. She was secretly married to Jesus. Um, These things have arisen over the years. These things are not in the gospel. These things are not in the Bible. What we do know is that she had seven demons cast out of her by Jesus. She was freed by Jesus. So what does that say? She came from a place of true lostness and desperation. Probably ostracized, pushed out of society. Someone who was demon-possessed was really pushed aside. They weren't much wanted amongst the cool people. Um, and she was tormented. And Jesus rescued her and found her and gave her a new hope. And she followed Jesus with her life. But Mary was at the foot of the cross. And she was one of those witnesses that's also referred to when Peter's preaching in Acts um, that, that this is not just a story, but that there were witnesses. We were witnesses to this truth. Mary Magdalene was a witness at the foot of the cross and she witnessed um, his burial and she was the first to witness the empty tomb. Now I'm going to take another chance treading on delicate ground. But I need to practice this for um, the next service because I'm going to have the children and if I get it wrong for the children, then I'm in big trouble. This little urn of mine, um, it represents the empty tomb. It's an empty urn, can you see? Empty inside? Nothing inside? And Jesus was taken and he was buried in that tomb. It represents Jesus. Um, and Mary was a witness to that. She saw that he was buried. The stone was rolled against the tomb. There was no way he was coming out of there. No ways at all. And she would have been, I believe, completely hopeless from that point. Lost. The God who had found her, the Lord, who had befriended her and loved her and had been her her world, was now gone. When she arrived and found the tomb was empty, nothing in the tomb, nothing at all. Leave this over here for now. What does she have left? And so that morning her mission had been go to Jesus first thing, first opportunity, first life, go to the grave and take the spices with the other woman. Um, But we only have a recording here in John of just her arriving at the tomb. She had a mission to anoint Jesus' body, but she finds an empty tomb. So her next mission is, I've got to go find the disciples. I've got to tell them what's happened. I've got to, um, we've got to together find Jesus. What have they done with him? So she runs. And she finds Peter and John, and she tells them, and they run also. And Peter and John get there and discover the empty tomb. Now John, writing this story, is quite quick to point out to us that, firstly, he was the disciple that Jesus loved. Secondly, he was the first there, he was the foster runner. Thirdly, he was the first to believe. It says, that disciple saw and he believed. But he also gives us, as an aside, but we didn't really understand from Scripture what had to happen. 
So he owns up that although he was the fastest, the quickest, the first to believe, the one who was loved, he, he didn't really get it. And Mary must have followed them back because then she arrives at the tomb. We don't know exactly when she gets there. Maybe they'd already left. But she arrives. And now the mission changes again. She's looking in the tomb. And what she sees is two angels. She probably didn't know they were angels, but she saw them. Later described them as angels in her witness account. And the text tells us in this passage four times, it tells us that Mary was crying. She must have been overwhelmed. She must have felt completely lost. And the angels ask her, why are you crying? And Mary says, they've taken my Lord. When she told the disciples, she said, they've taken our Lord. Where is our Lord? We must go and find him. But now, she says to the angels, they've taken my Lord, and I can't find him, and I don't know where they've put him. And then we come to the last person, who Mary assumes is the gardener. And he also asks her, why are you crying? Who are you looking for? And Mary says it again, they've taken my Lord. I don't know where. If you know where, tell me so I can go and fetch him. Very personal. My Lord, I want to go and fetch him. It's not thinking about everyone else and how they can help. It's just this, this desperate situation. And she perhaps is thinking that she's talking to the person who took the body. She's in a state. Have you ever been in a state where you'll do anything to sort it out? Something's wrong and you'll just do anything to fix it. And she's like that. She's like, just tell me where he is so I can fix this, so I can sort it out, so I can go and find him. And one word comes from Jesus. Mary. Mary. In that one word, everything changes. Everything changes in that one word. This morning, the risen Jesus is here. He's speaking. This is Claude. This is Hazel. This is Brian. Alison. Wendy. Jeremy. And then she knows this is Jesus. Everything changes. She says, Rabboni, which means teacher. She recognizes him. Mary was lost and alone, but Jesus found her, and everything about her mission that day changed because there was no dead body. Jesus was alive. And she realized it in the moment when he spoke her name, as only he could speak her name. No one else said Mary the way that Jesus said Mary. No one else says your name and my name the way that Jesus says your name and speaks to your heart and mine. And he gives her a more important mission now. She was on the spice mission, then she was on the find Jesus body mission, and now he says to her, Jesus says to her, go to my brothers and tell them. Now this is the first time that we hear Jesus referring to his disciples as brothers. Back in the upper room at the Last Supper, Jesus said to them, I no longer call you servants, for servants don't know their master's business, but now I call you friends. But now, he says, go to my brothers. Some 
something has changed. Jesus' death and resurrection has opened a door to a relationship with God that they could not have before. For the first time, the risen Jesus calls his disciples, the followers of Jesus, this you and me this morning, his brothers and sisters. Jesus emphasizes it. He says, I must go to my father and your father. He's now your father. You can call him Abba like I do, Daddy. You can have a personal relationship with him. My God and your God. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, we too have this relationship with God. Yes, he's Lord. Yes, he's Savior. He's creator, sustainer, powerful one. All the names of God that we know. But Jesus says he's also your father. He's a good, good father. He loves you. And you can call him personally. And he calls you personally. This morning, I want to ask you a question. Are you feeling lost in any way or hopeless in any way in any part of your life? Are you facing something that no one else understands really? Is something happening where you don't know which way to go and which direction to follow? Next, Jesus is here and he calls your name. If you're looking for purpose, for direction, listen to his voice. He's calling to you and he'll give you a new hope and a new mission. For those who do know him and have found him and are feeling so excited this morning that Jesus is risen. He's risen indeed. And we're celebrating that. He's given us a mission to go to the people that he's already shown us around us who are hopeless and to help them find hope. Those who are lost and help them be found. Go and tell my brothers and sisters. That's the message to us this Easter morning. Go and tell others. Go and tell your family. Go and tell your friends that Jesus is alive and that he's good news, that he loves them. For some of you, it might mean literally telling them the good news about Jesus, the gospel story. For others, it might just mean today being there for them, showing compassion and kindness. But go to your brothers and sisters. In Jeremiah, Wendy read to us, I didn't thank Wendy for that beautiful reading, one of my favorite verses in the Bible, from Jeremiah 31, verse 3, I have loved you, says Father God. And it's not in that moment, Jeremiah is saying, in the past, God told us as well. The same Father is telling us now, and he's telling us at the resurrection, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I have built you up again. And in Acts 10, the verse, the Father does not show favoritism, but he accepts every, from every nation the one who for, uh, fears him and does what is right. From every nation. He takes you, whether you're young or old, he takes you whether you have lots of stuff or no stuff, takes you if you're a woman. Mary was the first, or a man. Simon, Peter, and John. But it means a death to self. It means going into the tomb and saying, God, my identity in you is more important 
than how the world describes me because of my skin color, my age, uh, the possessions I have or don't have, my gender. It says those things aren't important. God, what's most important is that you love me and you know me as a father and you call me your son, your daughter. And that trumps everything else. When he finds you, he puts his Holy Spirit in you and makes you new and gives you a new hope and a new joy and a new mission. Amen.